0: Hey, Chapel Street Church family. You know, today we begin a brand new sermon series called The Rhythm of Rest, where we're going to explore the meaning of Sabbath uh, in the life uh, of those who follow Jesus. What does God mean when He calls us and says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest? And to be honest, we could use that. Many of us are weary of the restlessness and the unrest we've been experiencing in our nation over these past months. Weary of the unrest for the pandemic, weary of the racial unrest weary of the political unrest and this past wednesday january 6th the day the christian church historically celebrates epiphany the moment when the jesus was revealed to the gentiles when the magi came and bowed before the infant king on that day a mob stormed our nation's capital the capitol building to be precise a woman lost her life and it was a tragic scene um, and one will never forget now since that day I've seen so much rumor and innuendo and all kinds of opinion swirling around on social media and on the internet. I have nothing to add to that. I don't want to add to that and I would caution all of us against that. What I do want to do is call us as a church family, as a community of faith, to pray. We're commanded to pray in all times and on all occasions. We're told to pray for our country and our nation's leaders. And so Chapel Street Church Let's be a praying church in this moment of all moments. Let's keep praying. Don't be distracted by those who co-opt movements and slogans for their own agendas. Don't take the bait from various headlines and narratives. Watch your own reactivity. Instead, pray. It seems like foolishness to the world, but it's how the church wages war in this moment and in all moments. It's how the church brings about change. We pray. We seek our king. It's how we receive our marching orders, and it aligns our hearts to the priorities of our crucified and risen king. So before you speak or post or act, pray. As you speak or post or act, pray. After you speak or post or act, pray. Let's commit to being a praying church let's not allow uh, the discourse and the division that's happening to infiltrate our hearts and our lives let's be committed to pray when you don't have the words pray when you don't know what to do pray if this season has taught us anything it's taught us this that the problems we face as a nation as individuals cannot be solved by government alone by elected officials alone by any human institution there's only one who can solve them and so let's seek him in prayer And so I want to invite you right now in this moment just to pray with me. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Will you pray with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
1: Amen. I'm so thankful for uh, Pastor Jeff and his leadership and his words. And I just want to echo his encouragement to each of us to be people of prayer and to go to God in times of uncertainty and of unrest, and I'm so glad to be able to do that with you today. For those of you I haven't met yet, my name is Joe Scavato. I'm the pastoral resident here at Chapel Street. It's been a while since I've been here at South Street. uh, People weren't wearing masks the last time I was here, so it's been that long, but I'm just delighted to be with you um, as we explore God's Word in this new series, The Rhythm of Rest. I'm curious, as we start our time today, uh, if you can think of a time or maybe a season of your life in which you found yourself completely in need of a good night's sleep. Some of you are like, yes, right now. (laughs) That post-church nap is going to be great. Uh, I'm not a parent. Those of you that are can probably think of a time where all that you wanted was to rest. For me, though, when I think of being just sleep-deprived, I I go back to my first job after I graduated from college. And after I graduated, I joined a student ministry staff uh, at a church in Ohio. And at that church, we did this event every year called the All-Nighter. And this was our biggest event of the year. It was an annual thing we did. And uh, hundreds of middle and high school students would show up, and we would stay up all night from 8 p.m., to a.m. And so you can see here, I brought some pictures with me today. We would start at our church. That's actually, it's a little fuzzy, but that's me. And you can see I'm doing a really good job of keeping people's attention and keeping them quiet there. Um, but we would start at the church and we would present the gospel message and then go to the next picture. We would have a big concert and everyone was going crazy and we bring in a Christian artist and it was so much fun. And then we would leave and we wouldn't come back until 8 a.m. the next morning. So we would start by going to a trampoline park and we're just taking this place place over and it's just chaos and a lot of fun and then around midnight we would go bowling and we're just going from place to place and and this was an event that students would look forward to all year long and every time that it would get there there was just so much excitement and energy and there was just this buzz anywhere that we went. And then around maybe 6 or 6.30 in the morning, our last stop of the night was to the sports complex near the church. There was a soccer field you can see there. Go to the next slide. There was a place to play dodgeball. And let me tell you something, there's nothing like watching people play dodgeball after being awake for 20 hours. It was, it was funny and, and scary. But eventually, after this incredible and unique experience that students were looking forward to and having so much fun, eventually every year, it would get to the point where all of that was replaced with this. And that is a, that's a human. He's alive, don't worry. But he was knocked out. Go to the next one. This is one of our adult leaders doing a great job of making sure everyone is staying safe. And then the last one there, you can see that just all of this fun was replaced with a need for sleep. And, and all of us found ourselves paying the price for not giving our bodies the thing that they were designed to need, which was rest. Today, as I mentioned, we're kicking off a brand new series called The Rhythm of Rest as we explore the spiritual practice of Sabbath. What does it look like to live a restful life in a restless world? In a country with rising rates of anxiety and stress and depression, in a culture that glorifies busyness and idolizes productivity, In a society, as Pastor Jeff just mentioned, that is filled with divisiveness and fear and unrest, what does rest have for us? What does it look like to live a restful life? And is it possible for me, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of stress and and fear and, and busyness, is it possible to live my life in a rhythm of rest? These are the things that we'll not only be addressing over the next four weeks, but hopefully encouraging each other to experience as well. And so today, if you are tired or you are burned out or you are overwhelmed, if you are in need of a good night's sleep, I want to encourage you to to not miss this series. It's going to be really good and really helpful, I think, So today what we're going to look at is to the—we're going to go to the second chapter of the book of Genesis, the first example we see of rest and Sabbath. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Genesis 2. We're going to pick up in the creation story right after the sixth day of creation. This is Genesis 2. We'll start at verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So today, what I want to do with you is go through three of God's actions in the creation story as we look at this Sabbath rest. And so the first thing that God does is that we see that God worked. God worked. I, I'm sure work is something that we can all relate to in some way, right? I, I don't know if you remember your first job. Uh, mine, I remember when I turned 16. The morning that I turned 16 years old, two things happened. The first, my dad took me to take my driver's test, and I got my driver's license, and I was super excited about that, you know, freedom. And, and then right after that, he told me that it was time for me to get a job, and I was less excited about that. <laughs> But I, I ended up getting a job at the Oberweiss ice cream store. I don't know if you've ever been there, but, but I thought getting a job at an ice cream store sounded you know, kind of fun, and now I'd get free ice cream, and that's really all I want out of life. And, and so I started working, and, and it took about 10 minutes until I decided I was ready for retirement. It had happened fast for me. I, I quickly realized that working in an ice cream store actually wasn't as much fun as it sounded. And, and believe it or not, there are some people in this world that will yell and scream at 16-year-old kids about ice cream toppings. I was not ready for that. And, and I was the new person, and so I'm doing the dishes and you know, all the jobs that no one else wants to do, and I just decided that work was not for me. I got my first paycheck. It was like $200, and a quarter of that went to taxes. And, and it was very early in my work career that I realized something that you have probably realized as well, that work can and often does lead to struggles and challenges and frustration of many kinds. And yet, when we look at the first two chapters of Genesis, we see that it was not supposed to be this way. If you think back to the creation story, what you see is the God of the universe hard at work. So again, let me read the first couple verses of our passage today. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He finished his work that he had done. Now, as I mentioned, this work is the work of creation, the the process that God used to bring about the earth and everything in it. Now, the Hebrew word for work doesn't just apply to a job or a career. It's a little different than the way that we use that word many times today. Really, work applies to anything that we, that we put our efforts or our energy or our focus towards. And so it's a word that applies to someone with a nine-to-five job as much as it is to a stay-at-home parent, as much as it is to a student, as much as it is to a retiree. We all work. What is it that you work towards? Where do your efforts and energy and focus go? We see in our story, after each day of creation, you probably remember this, we read that there was day and there was night, and God looked at his work, and what did he say? That it was good. That word good in the Hebrew means, it is tov, it means to be pleasing or acceptable or beautiful. So God looked at his work, and he was pleased by what his efforts and energy and focus had done. The lesson is clear as much as 16-year-old Joe might have doubted it. Work is modeled by God, and it is good. Later in Genesis 2, verse 15, we see that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So even in paradise, even before there was sin in the world, there was work. This is why scholars believe that there will be work for us in heaven, that we won't just be sitting on clouds and playing harps, but but we will be productive, and there will be work for us to do. So work is not just good and is not just modeled by God, but it is commanded by God. We have been created to work. But then we go to Genesis 3, and in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve disobey God, and sin enters into the world, and work, just like everything else, becomes twisted and corrupted. This is Genesis 3. We'll start at verse 17. God says this to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I, of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So suddenly what was tove, what was good, what was easy, has become a burden. And for us, we experience this burden as challenges and frustration and struggle of many kinds, And this can look in a variety of different ways, but in our culture today, and for many of us here, we have experienced this twisting and this corruption in work going from something that we do and instead becoming something that we are. Many of us have faced the temptation of allowing work to define our identity, the way in which we view ourselves. And the truth is that anything that we allow to do anything we allow to define us becomes an idol. what happens when work is so important to who we are and how we feel about ourselves is that we just never stop working. We never slow down. Our culture not only allows this, but encourages and even rewards this. To be busy is seen as a badge of honor, to be seen as important and successful. John Mark Comer put it this way. He says, Remembering the Sabbath is the only one of the Ten Commandments we brag about breaking. For many of us here, our work, whatever that may look like for you, has promised us a feeling of being good enough, a feeling of importance or success. Things that only come from God. And so the way to avoid this, the way to keep this from becoming our reality is to look to the Scriptures and see a simple command we see throughout the Bible, but especially here, we'll look at Proverbs 16 and Colossians 3. Commit your work to the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. This is what we must do, work for God and not for men. See, before we can understand the rhythm and the purpose of rest, we must understand the rhythm and the purpose of work. And as people created in God's image, our lives are to be aimed towards Jesus, including in the way that we work. The way that we measure our success when it comes to our work, whatever that is for you, is not in personal glory, and it's not in achieving greatness. It's in promoting goodness. It's making the places in which we work and making our conference rooms and our classrooms and our living rooms places of goodness, of grace, of forgiveness and love. This is what we are to do six days of the week. This is the rhythm and purpose of work that we have been created to live. And when we can work towards this and aim ourselves in this direction, then we can understand what comes next. And that leads us to the second thing that God does, which is God rested. When I was in college, a pattern started to develop in my life, uh, specifically at the end of each semester. And at the end of each semester, and there was this pattern where the weight of what I had to do was just so big with you know, final projects and final papers and final exams that I just kind of stopped sleeping. Like I would get like two or three hours of sleep every night. I would stay up late, and I'd be writing, and I'd be studying, and then I'd get up early and go to classes, and, and it was this mad rush to the finish line. And during this time, these last couple weeks of the semester, I had this hope and this image in my head of getting to go home and getting to sleep in and have a home-cooked meal. And eventually, the semester would end and I would go home and I would immediately get sick every time. I would get a cold or the, the flu or it just kind of felt like my body was shutting down. Now, this feeling of of getting sick after a particularly stressful or busy time is probably not unique to me. Maybe you've experienced it as well. In fact, there's a term for this called the letdown effect, this effect where the, the hormones and the chemicals that your body produces to get you through the stressful time leaves you vulnerable to sickness once the stressor is gone. I was researching this, and and they asked a a doctor that that researched and looked into this effect what the solution is, how to avoid this letdown effect, and this is what she said. She said, during a stressful period, have a plan that calls for breaks as you go through it so that you're not revved up 24-7. In other words, the medical answer to avoid this is the same thing that God gives to us in Genesis chapter 2 develop a rhythm of rest. Let me read Genesis 2, verse 2 for you again. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. That word rest simply means to cease, to come to a halt. The, The Hebrew word is Shabbat, where we get the word Sabbath. So God rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Okay, so let me start by asking the question that some of you might have asked as well when you read this. Why did God rest? If God is God, if He is all powerful, why would He need to rest? He wasn't tired, was He? And no, I don't think He was. Look at Isaiah 40, verse 28 with me. It says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Go to John 5, verse 17. Jesus said, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So if these verses are true, then it must be something besides an issue of endurance. God must not have been tired, but why did he rest? Let's answer that question by asking another one. Why do we rest? If we have been created in the image of God, couldn't he have just made us with unlimited energy, able to go 24-7? What is the purpose of rest? For me, two things come to mind. The, The first is that resting is an act of faith and humility. The act of rest forces us to acknowledge something that we so rarely want to acknowledge. That we as human beings have been created with need. We are in need of God. Specifically, in this case, in need of God to give us energy and refreshment. Look at Psalm 23, verses 1 to 3 with me. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul. It's easy for us to focus on that last sentence, he restores my soul, but look at verse 2. He makes me lie down. He leads me to stillness. Again, those of you that are parents probably understand the, the feeling of trying to get one of your kids to go lie down. And they probably fight it, and they want to stay active and, and stay moving, and yet what is the best thing for them? Rest, sleep, to come to a halt. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news today, but as adults, some of us do the exact same thing. We convince ourselves that we can keep going, that we don't need to slow down, that we don't have that need. Or for some of us, we don't want to slow down because it's so important that we are important. And God is saying, show some humility and lie down rest. Understand that I am God and you are not. Stop worrying about your future and stop thinking about what's next. Have faith that I can and will accomplish what needs to be done, and I will use your six days of good work and lie down. I will provide for you. To rest is to show faith and humility. And number two, resting reminds us of our identity. To take a day of Sabbath rest reminds us of the way that God views us, as children loved by a father. Resting reminds us that God is not looking down in judgment or in disappointment, but that he is eagerly longing to spend time with his family. That longing is something that many of us probably experience this holiday season. Many of you, like me, weren't able to see certain family members, and maybe you tried doing virtual calls, but, but the truth is, is that there's no substitute for seeing the people we love and when they stop by for a visit. And when we take time to rest, to commune with our Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we are reminded that God feels the same way about you. And so if you're here today and you're feeling worn out or tired or that you need a good night of sleep, please know this today, that there is renewal and refreshment available to you from your heavenly Father who loves you and who delights when one of his kids stops by for a visit. And so it was so important to God that we, that we did this, that we remembered our identity, and that we lived lives of faith and humility, that he showed us the way, and he took time in the creation story to rest. He modeled for us, and he built into the fabric of creation in Genesis 2 something that every medical professional and every person who has studied humanity to be true, that we have been created with a need of rest. This is why we take a Sabbath. And this is so much better than what many of us think of when we talk about that word Sabbath. Sabbath is not about rules, and it's not about what we can or cannot do. It's not about what day is the right day. Sabbath is about God wanting to spend time and visit with you. It's about God longing to spend time with you. Now, notice in the creation story, unlike the other six days, We don't see at any point, and there was day, and there was night, the seventh day. It's not in there. Why? Because this day was not supposed to end. This is how life was supposed to be, simply resting with our Heavenly Father. And it is through rest that we get a glimpse of what life looked like in the garden, and what it will one day look like again. Then finally, the third thing that we see is that God blessed. Let me read verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So let's look back quickly to uh, Genesis chapter 1 and notice a few things. In the story of creation, God blesses three things. Number one, we see in uh, Genesis 1 verse 22, he says this to the creatures of the earth that he created. He blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. That's blessing number one. Blessing number two is to mankind. He says this in verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So he blesses the creatures, he blesses mankind, and then in Genesis 2 he blesses a day. The seventh day a day of rest. And in the context of God's first two blessings, to be fruitful and multiply, literally to add life into the world, it matters that he blesses this day, because rest does the same thing for us. It adds life into our world. So often, people view the Sabbath from what it takes away. In fact, in the Old Testament, there were strict rules about Sabbath, and they were punishable by death. If you were viewed to have broken the Sabbath, you could be put to death. And yet, Jesus gives us something far better. In Matthew 11, verse 28, this verse may be familiar to some of you. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, Sabbath... It's about what God will give you. It's about how he will bless you. It's about giving you new energy and new perspective and new hope, a new reliance on God. It is through Sabbath and rest that we get put into a rhythm that gives us new life. And then God does something that he had never done before in recorded history. He made this day not just blessed, but holy. Literally, he set it apart. Now, back in the Old Testament, this word holy was closely connected to the presence of God. When the Israelites made the temple in Jerusalem, there was uh, in the innermost part of the sanctuary a room called the Holy of Holies. This is where the Ark of the Covenant lived, and, and it was the most sacred place in all of Israel. It's where they believed God's Spirit to live. And so it's incredibly significant that God makes holy not just a place, not just a room, not just an ark, but time. God made time holy. And he does something when we take time to Sabbath that is set apart from any other time. Rest allows us to experience things that we never otherwise would. Rest allows us to quiet our minds to hear God's voice. Rest allows us to reflect and evaluate. It allows us to celebrate and look ahead. Rest allows us to cry, to mourn, to process. Rest allows us to breathe, to breathe in His mercy and His grace and breathe out His praise. And so today, if your mind feels overwhelmed, if your life seems like it's moving too fast, if your future is too scary or your past too much, God is offering you a gift today, a holy gift of rest. I don't know if you've ever gotten something for Christmas, maybe even this year, that you weren't asking for, weren't expecting, or, or maybe didn't fully appreciate When I was a kid, my grandma, among other things, would buy me savings bonds. And uh, as a kid, I didn't really appreciate this gift. I I wasn't thinking, oh, wow, what a great, reliable investment that will mature in 20 years. Um, I was thinking, I wish this was a video game system. (laughs) But now as as I look back on that gift and I have a different appreciation of the value of money, I see that gift for what it truly was. As an investment into my life, and into my future. I see it in a way that I didn't even recognize as a kid. And it's something I'm incredibly thankful for now. And the truth is, is that the gift of Sabbath is another gift that many of us don't fully appreciate or recognize. We don't recognize it for what it is, which is an investment into the life that God wants for you. To experience grace and peace in chaotic times. To live a restful life in a restless world. So today and throughout this series, we want to invite you to join us through practical ways to experience this rhythm of rest. And maybe Sabbath is already part of your rhythm, and if so, that's great. But if not, here's your invitation. To pick a day each week Or if you can't do a full day, do half a day. And start by unplugging from your work and from the world. Whatever that looks like for you, maybe it's turning off a phone or a computer or or the TV or throwing away the newspaper, whatever it means for you to unplug, start there. And then with that time that would usually be filled with those things, simply visit with your Heavenly Father. Go on a walk in your neighborhood and pray for your neighbors. Take a nap. Write an encouraging letter to a friend that you haven't seen in a while. Simply sit down and think about the blessings that God has given you, even already in 2021. Rest. Allow Him today to lead you by still waters. Lie down and trust in Him today let me pray for you heavenly father we just thank you for all the gifts that you give us but especially for the gift of rest lord we know that it is through rest that you want to bless us and give us things that we never would otherwise experience and so allow us to trust you in this way allow us to rely on you and to fall into this rhythm of rest God, I pray for those of us that feel tired or overwhelmed or burned out, that we would be renewed and refreshed by your Spirit. We love you so much, and we pray this in your name today. Amen.